Hey podcast listeners, I wanted to give you a quick update on my Philippines trip before the podcast today. And I wanted to let you know that I've set up a website that I'm going to use to post photos and uh, just descriptions of, of various things that happen while I'm in the Philippines. And that website is tagum2016.com. Tagum City is the location of one of the conferences that I'll be speaking at. And uh, so I use that in the name of the website. And that's spelled T-A-G-U-M. 2016.com, tagum2016.com, and uh, you can go there and, and just check out some of the places that I'll be going and some photos already there of some of those places, and uh, in less than a month now, uh, April 10th, is the date that I'll be leaving to go to the Philippines. So just wanted to thank you for continuing to pray for me and, and my family as uh, I prepare for this trip, and uh, you can go there and, and just check out some more information. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. So we, we began to look at this uh, account here with Cornelius last time, Acts chapter 10, verse 29, Peter says he, he came without gainsaying because God had showed him that he should not call any man common or unclean. And he can say that here, he couldn't have said that prior to the, to the vision that he had, um, but God has show, showed him through that vision of the, the sheet and the uh, clean and the unclean animals, that he shouldn't call any man common or unclean. So he came immediately with the men from Cornelius, and he says at the end of verse 29, I ask, therefore, for what intent ye have sent for me? And Cornelius said four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I send to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Now, if you if you kind of follow the conversation here, it's almost a little bit awkward here between Peter and this Gentile, right? Because I mean, Peter Peter says, "Okay, the Lord told me I should I should come. Uh, why why have you sent for me?" He doesn't just start start teaching them or or anything like that. Peter's still kind of unsure about this situation, and he asks them, "Why have you sent for me?" And Cornelius says, "Well, the angel." told me to send for you, and now we're all here to hear what the things that are commanded thee of God, right? And it's then that Peter begins to preach to them. And and again, this whole situation is a little, a little unsure for Peter because this is the first time he's preached to a group of Gentiles like this. And he, you see how he starts out, um, 
Then Peter opened his mouth, verse 34, and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, that word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Now, you notice that Peter identifies this as the word which God sent unto the children of Israel. Not the word that God sent to the whole world, but the word that God sent to Israel. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Now, so this is the content of the message that, that Peter preached. And you, if you compare this with what Peter preaches in Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 3, you may notice some differences. Um, in Acts chapter 2 and 3, you, you have Peter condemning Israel for their crucifixion of the Lord. Here he doesn't do that with these Gentiles. Um, and so, so that element of it is, is missing altogether. Now, what you'll notice that's missing from all of those sermons of Peter, from in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, and here in Acts 10, is the idea of substitutionary atonement, uh, that Christ was actually dying in the place of sinners. You don't see that in any of Peter's messages here in the book of Acts. Um, now, when you think about, about the Apostle Paul and, and what he calls my gospel, that substitutionary atonement, that idea of Christ dying in the place of the individual sinner is central to Paul's gospel. But, you see, that's not really what's being preached here by Peter and the circumcision apostles in, in the book of Acts. Um, there, what, what Peter, you know, Acts 2 and 3, when he's preaching to Israel, he's preaching... Jesus as their Messiah, who they rejected, and he's giving them an additional opportunity to believe on him as, as the Lord, as the Christ, the Messiah. Now here when he's speaking to Gentiles, he doesn't really talk that much about him as, as the Messiah, although he does, he does say that he was anointed, um, which is really what the Messiah would mean, would be the, the anointed. Um, but he doesn't emphasize that because that wouldn't really have that much relevance here to, to these Gentiles. Um, he just preaches the person of Christ, the person of, of Jesus Christ, and that he died, that he rose again, that, that there are witnesses of that resurrection, and that, that he is the one who's going to judge the quick and the dead, and that through belief in him, belief in his, in his person, in who he is, uh, through that, uh, whoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. Now, um, you see a, a, a different emphasis. You understand, go over to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, verse 7, without going into the whole context here, uh, you notice that 
Paul says, but contrarywise, when they saw the, the Jerusalem saints, the, the apostles there in Jerusalem, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Now, if you see in verse 7, Paul says there was a gospel that was committed to him, the gospel of the uncircumcision, and there was a gospel committed to Peter, the gospel of the circumcision. And he also says that, that Peter had the apostleship of the circumcision, and Paul says that that uh, the Lord was mighty in him, in Paul, toward the Gentiles, right? So, so Peter's ministry is not primarily to Gentiles, and what Peter is preaching here is not what Paul will later, later refer to as my gospel, okay? What Peter is preaching here is he's preaching what is essentially the gospel of the circumcision, just modified a little bit, considering that he's preaching to Gentiles. And so in light of the, you know, the dispensational change that's taking place in Acts 9 and, and in light of, you know, what the Lord has just revealed to Peter, sometimes the, the question comes up of, you know, what is, what is the place of Cornelius here? When, when you know, when Cornelius believes uh, in Acts chapter 10, does he become a part of the church, the body of Christ? Or does he, which would be unique to the dispensation of grace, or does he become a part of that kingdom church that uh, Peter and the Twelve were a part of? And what what seems to be going on here, even though God's using this event to teach Peter something about the change of dispensation, really Cornelius it just becomes a part of that kingdom church. He's this is that same that same gospel, basically, that Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost and uh, uh, later in Acts chapter 3 and throughout the early part of the book of Acts. He believes on the person of Christ as the, as the Messiah, as the Hebrew Messiah, and uh, he would become a part of that, that kingdom church. And you notice something strange happens here, though, because on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached, he, he condemned them for killing Christ. He, um, you know, preached to them that, that uh, they could repent. And, and what Peter says at the end of his message in Acts chapter 2 is he says, Repent and be baptized, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that was the order there on the day of Pentecost was that you, you repented, which would be uh, essentially another way to refer to believing there. And... Uh, were water baptized, and then received the Holy Ghost. Okay? A few chapters ago with the Ethiopian eunuch, when Philip uh, preaches to him Christ out of, out of uh, Isaiah 53 that he was reading in his chariot, uh, he believes, and he, they, there's some water there, he gets water baptized, and he receives the Holy Ghost. Okay? But here something different happens. And it's, it's unexpected to Peter, it's surprising to Peter, uh, and surprising probably to everybody who's there, because Peter is still preaching, no baptisms have taken place, and yet verse 44, it says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, 
as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. So they're astonished that Gentiles get the Holy Ghost at all. This is something that was promised to Israel. Okay, They're astonished, astonished that Gentiles would get the Holy Ghost at all. And not only that, it's not following the same order that we've seen previously in the book of Acts, where it was repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost. And so in verse 46, it says, For they heard them speak with tongues, that's a, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and magnify God, then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Now what it had been previously was, you believe, you get water baptized, you receive the Holy Ghost. Peter's thinking is, They've already received the Holy Ghost, so how could anybody say anything against them getting water baptized? And the idea there is that that, that itself would be a, a controversial thing, baptizing some uh, uncircumcised Gentiles, right? But Peter says they've got the Holy Ghost. In the past, somebody had to get water baptized first, then get the Holy Ghost. If they've already got the Holy Ghost, then I guess nobody can forbid them to be water baptized, and so verse 48, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So, so we see a lot of changes there in Acts chapter 10 in, in the practice of what's going on. And not only that, this what just happened here in Acts 10 is a controversial thing. Because Peter's had a, a vision to help him understand a little bit about what's going on. But the rest of the people in the Jerusalem church they haven't been given that same insight, okay? And that in itself is, is telling because that Jerusalem church, with few exceptions, has been, up, you know, up to this point, they've been with one accord, they've been filled with the Holy Ghost, they're all speaking the same thing, and now all of a sudden God's showed Peter some things that some other people don't, don't have some understanding of. And so in chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Now, you know, when, when the Samaritans received the word of God back a few chapters ago, they rejoiced that the Samaritans had received the word of God. Here it says they heard it, but notice verse 2 says, And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. They're arguing with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and didst eat with them. Because you see, what's been going on up to this point is that even as they've been going out into the Gentile nations, they've been speaking to none but the Jews only. And here Peter went to some uncircumcised Gentiles and ate with them and baptized them. And, you know, there's these things going on they don't understand. They're not, they're not a part of what had normally been happening up to that point. And so verse 4, But Peter rehearsed the matter, from the beginning, and expounded it by order unto them, saying. And uh, largely, the, the verses that follow here are just a recounting of the events that we've already looked at. So in the interest of time, let's skip down to verse, um, verse 13, where he says, And he showed us, Cornelius showed us, how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. 
Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. And so Peter convinces them. Peter recounts all the events and what he saw and what they saw and, and everything that happened. And you see that, that um, they then glorify God. They don't, they don't understand what's going on, but they can't deny something is happening here. And what I want to do is, is for us to jump ahead to Acts chapter 15, okay? Because Acts chapter 15 is also another kind of a, kind of a watershed passage of Scripture. Um, and in the course of the events that are described there, Peter reflects back on these events in Acts chapter 10 and 11. And what's, what's happened here is the, the, one of the things that continued to be an issue, uh, as, especially as Paul's ministry begins to increase and as that, that kingdom ministry begins to decrease, the contentious issue is these different believers, these Gentile members of the body of Christ would come into contact with these kingdom believers. The contentious issue was the issue of circumcision. And so, for instance, Paul would go into a Gentile city and the Gentiles would, would get saved by the gospel of the uncircumcision. And they would, they would uh, become members of the body of Christ. And when Paul would leave, some people would come in after him and they would say, oh, now you need to get circumcised. Okay. And, and Paul, in fact, much of the book of Galatians is dealing with that issue. Um, no different than what people do with other, other religious practices. Uh, somebody gets saved by the gospel of the grace of God and they, and they uh, receive eternal life and they have this position in Christ and then somebody comes along and convinces them, oh, but, but now you've got to go through this religious ritual, right? And, and that can be a, a contentious thing. And it, it became such an issue that Paul eventually goes to Jerusalem not not so much to go and you know come to an agreement with the apostles, but really to to confront this issue head on because that's where these sometimes they're called Judaizers. That's where these these uh, circumcision preachers were coming from because you realize that in in that in that kingdom church they're continuing on as if as if Jew and Gentile have not been made one, right? And they didn't all understand this dispensational change that had taken place, even after, like Peter describes it to them here. And so Paul goes right there to confront the issue head on. And you can see, for instance, in verse, um, well, let's just start in chapter 15, verse 1. It says, certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Now, these teachers are not, they're not unbelieving Jews, right? These are, these are Jews who have believed on Christ, but they're wrong in their doctrine in trying to take these Gentile believers and, and put them under, under circumcision. Um, unbelieving Jews wouldn't care what some Gentile Christians believe because it wouldn't, 
They wouldn't care. They, they were outside of Judaism at that point, right? So, so they're coming to these brethren, these, you know, what, what uh, Luke here calls brethren, and teaching them they have to be circumcised to be saved. In verse 2, when therefore Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. <clears throat> Verse 5, But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And these are the Pharisees. This is... Paul's old religious sect, right? And they're, they're say, what they're saying is that these Gentile believers need to be brought into Judaism. They need to become Jews through the ritual of circumcision, and they need to keep the law of Moses, just like any other converted Gentile would. Verse 6, And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And you see in verse 7, it says, When there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now what's Peter referring to? He's referring to Cornelius' household back in Acts chapter 10. And God which knoweth the hearts bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost even as he did unto us. And notice verse 9, and put no difference between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. So Peter says that already in Acts chapter 10, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Okay. Now that does away with uh, an extreme dispensational position that tries to, tries to say that the dispensation of grace doesn't begin until all the way at the end of the book of Acts. The testimony of none other than the Apostle Peter says that in Acts chapter 10, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. And that's, that's the distinguishing characteristic of the dispensation of the grace of God. So that tells you that already the dispensation of the grace of God is, is in place, although not fully revealed, but in place uh, and beginning to be revealed by Acts chapter 10. Okay, And again, as we've seen even slightly earlier in Acts chapter 9, um, he says that God has put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Verse 10 now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Now listen to this verse. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Now, if you think about Peter's choice of words there, it's very instructive. Uh, it may be confusing to you because, again, if you've been taught that what's going on here in the book of Acts is just that the Gentiles are being added in to what was taking place previously, then Peter gets things twisted around here. Because if that's the case, Peter should say that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, they shall be saved even as we, right? If, if the Gentiles are just being added in to something that had existed previously, then Peter should say, now the Gentiles get saved just like we do. But that's not what he says. Now he, he, Peter says that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
we, Israel, shall be saved even as they. Because you see, the Gentiles aren't just tacked on to a pre-existing program. Paul's been given something new. And actually what, what happens here in Acts chapter 15 is that they come out of this, this uh, meeting that they have here with the circumcision apostles understanding that their ministry is on its way out and that Paul has something new that is going to grow and that is where God is putting his effort from that point forward. Um, in fact, if you go back over to Galatians chapter 2, Galatians 2 is Paul's account of this meeting that they had. And notice how, how Paul describes what happens here. Galatians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Then 14 years after, so 14 years from, from Acts 9 to Acts 15 is a period of 14 years. All right. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem and with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. Barnabas is a Jew, Titus is a Gentile. Verse 2, and I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Now here's an interesting thing as well. Paul says he went to communicate to them the gospel that he preaches among the Gentiles. Now if they're all preaching the same thing, there wouldn't be any reason for Paul to go and communicate that to them. And not only that, but Paul's worried that when he tells them what the gospel is that he's preaching among the Gentiles, that it's not going to be received and he's going to have, have run in vain. What, he, what he's saying is um, he talks only to privately to them who are of reputation, those that he can trust to really evaluate these things by the Spirit of God, because he's afraid that just the the assembly of, of these Jewish kingdom believers are not going to be able to receive what he's out teaching among the Gentiles, right? He's concerned about how it's going to be received. He certainly doesn't have the view that he's just preaching the same thing that Peter and the Twelve were preaching, right? And verse 3 says, But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. And so when Paul gets there to Jerusalem, there's some people that start to kind of kind of uh, worm their way in next to Paul. They want to see what this liberty is that he's preaching about, but what they really want to do is find a way to take away that liberty and put them back under the bondage of the law. Verse 5, he says, To whom we gave place by subjection, know not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me, but contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. You see how Paul describes that? First Paul says that in conference, they added nothing to him. So it's not like 
Paul showed up to debate this issue of, of circumcision and they convinced him of some things. He says, they added nothing to me because the revelation he had, he had from the Lord, right? And you can't, you can't add to that. Um, what they believed and what they were teaching there at, at that Jerusalem church was not added to what Paul had received from the Lord. And he says, on the contrary, they learned some things from me. And he says, when they saw or uh, when they perceived the grace that was given unto me. Now, if they're just here perceiving the grace that was given to him, it means they hadn't perceived it previously, at least not fully. And they perceive that something has been given to Paul that needs to go out to the world. And you see, they limit their ministry. They say they're going to go only to the circumcision, only to the Jews. And so, so Peter and James and John there, the pillars at Jerusalem, they willingly, in light of, of what God is doing with Paul, they willingly limit their ministry and they say, we're not, we're not going to go out to the nations. Now, you might say, well, isn't that, isn't that disobedience to what Christ told them? Didn't Christ tell them to go ye therefore and teach all nations? But you see, they understand there's a dispensational change that's taking place. God's doing something new with Paul that puts that on hold. And while this dispensation of grace is continuing to grow, they realize their ministry is, is not, you know, it's, it's on its way out for the time being. Now you understand that when this dispensation of grace is over, when the church is caught up to be with the Lord, those things continue again as they were left off here early in the book of Acts. They pick up right where they left off. But for the time being, this, in this dispensation where there is no difference between Jew or Gentile, that, that apostleship of the circumcision and that gospel of the circumcision had to decrease. It had to be phased out. And, and so that, that, uh, those events in Acts 15, uh, Paul relates them here and he, he says, they saw, they perceived the grace that was given unto me. And Peter, when he's, when he's testifying there in Acts chapter 15, he points back to the events in Acts chapter 10, and he says, Already there, God had shown me that there was no difference between Jew and Gentile. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.